Well, this week we have a paper suggested by Alec. Now, I didn't, I didn't uh, actually go reverse uh, look him up by his email, what he used to join our software-defined talk Slack, which you should totally join. But it's Alec S, spelled with a K. Always like an Alec that ends with a K. That's good. But anyways, it's a, uh, it's a paper, so, so prepare yourself, listener. Let's do some theater of the mind. The year is 2035. Who knows what's happening? Maybe, maybe it's uh, some Handmaid's Tale situation, or maybe it's this utopia of like Guardians of the Galaxy without the impending doom of, of global destruction. Who knows, right? Like, you could be hanging out with that delightful, who, who's the guy, Charles C. Riley? He makes a great cop. There's that guy. Or you could sort of like, it could be some horrific scene where a robot crushes a skull. We don't know at this point, but someone, the the delightful people at ARM, and I think this must have been written over in the UK because they there's some key words that they just totally misspell. They don't the the as they say Z doesn't seem to exist, and uh, but they've made some optimistic projections. Maybe this will be used by the skull crushing robots, but uh, essentially this is about the Internet of Things IoT, and and it, it makes this bold prediction that by 2035. There will be over a trillion, I guess it says cumulative, huh? Is it, or a trillion devices, uh, IoT devices out there, which conveniently will also drive a trillion dollars in annual spend on, on IoT things. Now, this is, uh, I don't know, how would you characterize this paper, Brandon? One, I would say that whether it's a bunch of evil robots or it's like a utopian society, the one thing this paper is making clear is there are going to be a lot of IoT sensors yeah. monitoring either that, either utopia or dystopia. So uh, I don't think – I think either way they're okay. Um, there's just going to be quite a bit of sensors. So the point of this paper, I, I think you know, this is definitely uh, you know, has an agenda of we're ARM, right? And we – as you uh, were writing uh, in, in our Slack, I think you wrote that like ARM actually doesn't make the chips. They license the design of the chips, and other people make the chips. So they clearly had a meeting, and they're like, "Man, we want to sell. We want to license. We want to sell more licenses of this, and we need to convince the world that not only they're going to be like a huge market, there's going to be a trillion a dollar market where there's going to be trillions of chips." So they've kind of weaved together uh, this narrative that is trying to project into the future that no matter what happens. And no matter what what we're doing, is you're going to need millions, or in this case, uh, trillions of ARM chips. I would say that's the entire agenda of this paper. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think I think to to categorize this type of paper, this is this is uh, this is this is a delightful instance of this, right? Don't, don't take this as too much of a of a cynical take, but this is the uh, maybe not market making, but for lack of a poor precising, this is a market making white paper, which just as you said, the the top line, so to speak, the the the, the most important goal for this is to show the uh, business relevance of the company that sponsored it. And to basically chart out, here's how we're going to make money in the future. It's sort of like uh, the equivalent would be, uh, let's see, 2035 is 18 years from now. And what would be like, 1985 minus 18 whatever that would be nine that would be 1967 is that did i do my math right so it would be it would be like if uh if it was 1967 and intel or fairchild or whatever the fuck they were called came out with this paper and they're like guys guys imagine if we had a computer on every desktop (laughs) guys check it out check it out 
right? And and they were kind of projecting this idea that like we're going to have this market that will be made for Intel to start selling chips and memory and stuff into. Now, I might have like munged up Intel history. I don't really follow uh, Intel history too much, but it's a similar sort of thing where. Um, you know, I think I haven't, I didn't go look up the uh, the financials of ARM, but my understanding is they're actually a very good company, which which would make sense. Uh, I imagine they have since they don't actually manufacture the chips, they probably have insane margins. Now they might need to like prototype things or something like that, but they might even outsource that so they don't have to carry the capex for it. Um, but uh, yeah, they're just a pure IP business more or less, so they must be a pretty good business. Now they're probably also like I seem to remember they're only like a few billion in revenue, but you know, I think they might also be private. So, you know, who cares? Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I do think it comes back to like, who's the audience for this? Because I, I read it kind of thinking that it's primarily probably, you know, investors, people looking, you know, trying to understand um, where they should potentially make a long term bet. I think journalists, I think this paper is ripe full of some statistics that a journalist could cite if they're doing some kind of thought pieces. You know, they could say something like, you know, ARM predicts by 2035 there'll be a trillion devices. And that would, like, if they got assigned the IoT piece, they're like, oh, I got to write some IoT things. So they grab some stats out of this. Um, I don't think in this case that it really has that much um, in it for somebody who's like at a company who's like trying to figure out like maybe they have some type of IoT project in mind. Um, I guess the best thing you could say is like they're maybe just trying to create some brand awareness like around like, oh, maybe we should consider ARM. But there's not a lot in it mm. for someone that's like got a project ready to go, right? They're because they don't probably don't care that it's going to be, you know, they're just sort of like, I have some something I need to do. I don't really care that it's going to be a trillion devices. I just need to figure out how to do this one project. And this this paper doesn't really, I don't think, lend itself to like having much of that detail. At least that was my read on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think the uh, the utility of the paper, how one would use it, is. Um, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. It's it's from that perspective shallow, which which uh, to use my common refrain, refrain is fine, <laughs> right? Like like it's basically. I should go back and count the pages, but it's like. 15 16 page pdf but when you subtract out like the you know the the white space and an appendix the appendix is actually really nice i guess so i should include that it's probably more like a 14 page paper but anyways um and it's in double column which is just like pro tip don't fucking do your pdfs in double column that's really annoying because you know you're on one of these these uh you're on one of these macbook airs and you're like fuck now i need to scroll back up and then i gotta scroll back down it's just like you got limited screen real estate, and I'm not printing this shit out, right? So, like, don't do not do double columns. Just don't, don't do, do that. that. Just stop. Yeah, stop doing yeah. double columns. No double columns. Uh, anyways, um, I, th- I think, I think there's, a, there's, there's, there's two core things you would use this for uh, that I think would be pretty legit. One would be just – I don't think – so if you had some, uh, some high-level executive – who, who, uh, you know, one, was one of these people who metaphorically or literally, literally printed out their emails, and they were like, "Hey, hey, youngster, millennial, uh, can you tell me what the IoT is?" And I'm, I'm being purposely silly. Like, it's not always a judgment on these people, right? Like, they're running a, a global, you know, multi-billion-dollar business. They got to worry about, like, you know, why the factory in Malaysia is burning down, not like what the fuck IoT is. Uh, so. Man, what a terrible dystopic world my mind lives in. Uh, but they're like, where where did my hard drives end up between Thailand and Stockholm? Where are my hard drives? <laughs> Anyways, uh, 
So, so if if you wanted to have kind of to your journalistic thing, if you if you were charged with not that this has ever happened to me multiple times, you roll in at nine o'clock, you have to go pay for some coffee because there's no free coffee, and you're drinking your coffee, and someone comes to you about ten thirty, and they're like, "Hey, could you write like a two page memo on what IoT is?" And you're like, "Yeah, sure, that sounds interesting." And they're like, "Yeah, could you email that to me by eleven forty, please?" And you're like, That's right. "Fuck, once again." Uh, anyways, uh, so you could take this paper and actually get a pretty good working definition of what IoT was and kind of the business potential for going into You could write a pretty good two-page memo solely based on this and, like, your sort of ongoing knowledge of IoT and how computers work. And hopefully by this point, uh, you understand how whatever business you're sitting in works and their opportunities. So there's kind of like that uh, internal strategy memo. And then the second thing is just another side of that where – if you were, uh, you know, depending on how profitable your company is, you're either maybe in downtown San Antonio for your uh, your offsite, you know, which would be sort of like middling, or maybe right. you're like in, I don't know, where would you go? Uh, what's Cabo the, San Lucas? Yeah. What, what's the Canadian oh, yeah. place that's all fancy? Not Vail, uh, but... Uh, oh, you're talking about, yeah, up there we can go skiing. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I'll think Banff. Banff. You'd, you'd go up to Banff. Banff. You know, maybe yeah, hang out yeah. for for the for the week at your your offsite. Now, if things are going terribly, yeah. you have Brandon. What what is the phrase we use if you actually don't go offsite for an offsite? Uh, have, you ever, have you ever used this phrase? I like to call it the onsite offsite. The onsite offsite. Yeah, I've been to a couple of those. That's just yeah. where you go to your conference room, but everyone's not supposed to bring their computers. Yeah, yeah. Right? You get uh, yeah, yeah, lots of Jasons and Jimmy Johns. It's good stuff. So uh, <laughs> you're, like, you're like, fuck, there's only like the turkey sandwich left and the you're bread's like, all soggy. It. No, it's always the ro- roast beef. You're like, god damn, the roast beef. Oh, the roast beef. Left. The all the turkeys beef. are gone. You know, you know, pro tip, what I do, unless I'm feeling a little a little saucy, is uh, you just get like three of those sandwiches and you eat the insides and throw yeah. out the bread. That's, I've that's, done that too. Yeah. I've done that too. But then people kind of look at you funny like, hey, like uh, there weren't – were there enough sandwiches? Like why is there only roast beef left? You're like, yeah. oh, because they eat three turkeys. Yeah. So yeah. sorry about that, guys. Anyhow, uh, so if you're if you're doing long term strategic planning, especially with kind of like you got that you got that guy, the VP of finance there who's like dabbling in uh, in strategy and things like that, then this paper would be great for that, right? Because you could basically derive out a uh, with a little minimal sort of publicly available financial data. Uh, if you're a public company, you could kind of model out uh, a theory of when you should start IoT investment, when things should go to market. And and kind of like the expected returns and things that you would have. So but this paper does. I think it's all like the, strategy wonk. Value. Yeah, I was gonna say, but this this paper is really designed to kind of feed um, what I like to think of like the inside out narrative, right? Where it's yeah. like, and you know, sometimes it is like you know, we think about um, you know, link bait right on the internet. Of- course but sometimes you know clickbait rather you can think about that for like it exists for the enterprise too it's like listen somebody wants to do an iot project right somebody or feels like they want to get going in this area and they will grab they will look for the you know this paper because it is kind of playing into like confirmation bias like you're like oh it's going to be huge oh this says a trillion dollars in it right so you're like got to get that and then you can get into the room and your offsite or your on-site offsite and you know it starts People start coming up with stuff. They're like, you know, if we put a sensor in this thing, 
oh my god think of and then they start coming up with their own ideas they're like oh we can get all this data and we can get all this data we can mine this data and we can probably you know use it for advertising and we can resell it and you know like and you're just like it's fun like what first of all i've been to many of these meetings and I, it's great like it's just like awesome right because you just you're you're just like f- fully activating your brain you're very creative and you just you really feel like you're adding a lot of value now from many of the other conversations we've had and many other, you know, books and projects, we know generally this is not the way to come up with good ideas. The good way to find good ideas is to like go talk to people and be like, well, like, what's your problem? Like, or like, hey, if I put a sensor in this, would you want it? And they'll usually be like, no, I don't want that at all, but I want this other thing, right? So, you know, in, again, like the internal meetings, people that like to like kind of talk and then, you know, the people that want to take over a room and start painting a vision, this paper is going to feed that. And I think in the case of ARM, that's probably okay because they're just like, we don't care what they do. We just want them to order arm chips, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're just like, hey, it doesn't matter. I don't care. I would just want to be in every – if I'm arm, I'm like, I want to be in every crazy project someone can think of because you just know one of them will hit, but most of them won't. Yeah. So I think that's the big – like if someone walks in with this paper, right, the first thing I would say is like, well, this is cool, and these are interesting statistics. But like what if we had it – what if we actually had this thing today? would anyone really buy it? And can, and can we go talk to that person? Like, let's go see what they really want, right? Because it's, as I said before, like many times, like products come from two areas. You either have a technology that you think is a competitive advantage, but then you got to go find the problem it really solves. Or you go the other way. You have a, pro- you see the problem very clearly because usually someone is like, I want to pay you to solve that. That's how you know you have a good one. And then you're like, huh, how can I solve that in a really... Uh, inexpensive way for me, but a really profitable way for them, and they want to pay me money. And most of the time, like it's super simple, but most of the time, like if you think about internal bureaucracy, those two questions get lost, and then there's just a lot of internal meetings, and like papers like this get shown, and like you know we get lost because we forgot about going to figure out let's validate the technology solves a problem, or let's validate that we have technology that can solve a known problem. Yeah, yeah. No, and and, and I and I think I think the. Uh the uh let's call it let's call it waterfall waterfall strategy like that is what evokes the whole like uh agile come lean startup methodology of things right and 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 i think i think that that mindset and i don't know if these 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 concepts are sort of like um what was that old british show connections what was the guy in there burke this is sort of like a a burkean accounting of history uh but it's sort of like the the next logical conclusion of like you know the reaction against waterfall to agile to lean startup is i think i think the height of that is the jobs to be done theory which is exactly what you said is like let's go out let's find the people who are giving us money and see what it is they actually want us to do what are they what are they hiring us to go out and do what is the job that we're doing for them which i think i think is a helpfully nuanced distinction between uh sort of basic product think, which is what problem are you solving, right? You're not always hired to solve a problem. Sometimes you're just hired to do a job or whatever. But so I, I think that's right, that you're not going to get a uh, a tremendous amount of, I mean, for Christ's sake, it's forecasting something in 2035. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but you're not getting a tremendous amount of here and now or even in the next five years sort of um, guidance about what to do. At best, I mean, there's two things. At best, what you're getting is, uh, I mean, how would you characterize this? You're getting um, baselining, or or you're you're getting kind of like a goal, right? So there's there's a good there's a good discussion of 
what will be the, what do they call it, economic return? Or, you know, let's just call it ROI, which is not exactly what it is. But what's going to be the return on investment for companies doing IoT? How much is it going to boost, I think, their revenue? They don't really distinguish between revenue and profit. What's the payoff? And they say in 2035, the average will be a 5x payoff, which is great. Right. Like it's all it's always handy to think about your own. Hopefully you have savings, your own annual return on savings and retirement that you have. And if you had five X, you'd be retired by now. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. We would. Like I'm no we Charlie not, Munger. We would, I'm we no Charlie Munger. But that's good compound interest right there. That's right. That's right. We would not be doing this podcast. <laughs> no, no. So so five percent is awesome. Right. Usually the percentage return is like a fractional percent if you're fucking lucky. Right. Like it's it's not very good. Um, so. So you've got that as kind of like an unrealistic way out baseline, but it's so it sorts to like give you a track of like what are the returns we can expect? Like what is what is the box that we're going to be looking at? Which goes back to the two things I was talking about, which again to your point, uh you know, if you're one of those inside salespeople who's on the uh the 20th call of the day uh based on a white paper that someone downloaded, this is not going to fucking help you make a deal that day. Right. Like you're not going to move the number now. This is not the, it's not the closing email. This no, is, you're no. not attaching this email, this uh, PDF to the closing yeah. email. There's there's this. This is not a steak knife inducing uh, white paper. So uh, however, I think I think scurrying around in here is a small thread that I think is handy to pull on. And that is running around in here. And this this is like part of why the appendix is interesting. Right. There's there's like one little definition of what IoT is, and I and I think I think this is perhaps um, if if there are a quadrant of interestingness and usefulness, this is this is in the the upper right quadrant, and the definition is basically like so. Everyone knows that IoT is like internet connected coffee machines and jet engines and all the shit in between, right? And so this stuff's throwing off a lot of data, and most people kind of stop there. Uh, but really, what, what makes something IoT is that you pull all this data, and they don't really say centralized, but let's just assume centralized. I and mean, whether it's distributed or centralized, what, who cares? Uh, from a human's perspective, you put all the data in a database, and then uh, whether it's automated or done manually, you can do analytics over that and not only glean insights, as they would say about the data, but you can reach a decision about what to do. And then you can feed that back into your your grid of stuff and something new actually happens. And I think I think that's a good I wouldn't even say working definition. That's a good definition of what IoT is from a business sense, right? And right. so by saying that it's it's a thread that you pull on like it's kind of just offhandedly mentioned and then the appendix details out these I think five types of components. So if you were to take that and then go do some more research and thinking somewhere on like one to two year horizon, you could actually start coming up with products that that were interesting yeah, and, and figure things out. Well, I think in a lot of ways, right? They they sort of buried the lead, or you know, if we were to um, rewrite this paper, I'd almost invert like the index as the front, right, and then some yeah. of the data as the back, because you know, back to like jobs to be done, right? Which is the uh, I guess it's uh, Clayton Christensen 
I think he popularized it, if not invented it, right? It was sort of like, hey, just think about when you have a product, right? It's like, what job is it doing? So on, on page 13, which is the second to last page, and literally the four, page 14 is just the trademark stuff. So it's really 13 is the last possible thing. They actually have a list of jobs. They show you example, you know, IoT gateways, but they actually show you some pictures of a tag reader, a smartphone, Wi-Fi router, satellite receiver. So these are things that you've seen in your real life that you've, you know, um, like you've been to Hertz, right? And they've like uh, probably, you know, checked you out with that like gun thing and that's what they're showing and of course you have a smartphone or you have a fitbit and you probably have a router and you maybe have some satellite stuff but these like really start to connect like what the opportunity is like and i think that's what this thing kind of fails to do is that you know i think of the data is only interesting once you've kind of like have the 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 thing going like so if you were to build a website and someone comes in here like we're like the middle of building the website right and someone's like hey I'm going to show you all the data in the reports. It's boring, right? Because there's like no website. There's no one's been to it yet. So there's like nothing interesting about that. What's interesting is some at that moment is to someone help us like build a great website, right? And that's what we want. And then later, after the website's been up for a while, if they walked in and showed us the data, we would be really excited about it. And I think that's kind of what this paper is lacking is it's sort of telling you at the beginning, oh, there's going to be all this data everywhere. And you're just like, I don't really care because why like what's yeah. what's interesting about it whereas these examples you know i think are the way to then if i was writing this paper you'd say okay here's what's using it today and then i think if you showed a little humility in this paper and you said we don't know what's going to happen exactly by 2035 but we have a good idea that there are going to be a bunch of new devices that are created and you know i would put in here weave in some human experience and say it's probably hard for us to predict exactly what things are going to be done with this, but chances are there are going to be some totally new experiences that happen to people. And I think you know, maybe you write a little use case around, you know, Disney World has the smart bands, which I just forgot what they're called, like the Mickey Mouse bands that you can wear. You have your Apple Watch and your Android Pay, and you know, when you go into an airport today, if you have an Apple Watch on, it will pop up and know where you are, and you know, you can check into the plane. So you can kind of like start, start. You don't have to like say you have it all figured out. You could just say like, we kind of see the beginning of this now, mm-hmm. right? And it's not that hard to say that. The Facebook of 10 years from now or something like that will will weave together online and offline experiences like we've never really imagined, and it's going to be really compelling. And then you have the obligatory Pokemon Go thing, right? You're like, <laughs> Pokemon Go is just a game. And but it's super, you know, it creates these fanatics, and then there's the Snapchat hot dog guy, right? And like we don't totally understand it, but we know it's really interesting and it's only the beginning. And then you just let the person fill in in their own mind their own uh, utopian view of how uh, sensors are kind of augmenting their their real life experience, right? Because that way you don't have to like – you know what I mean? Like you'll yeah. fill that in yourself, and then you come back with like we don't have – you know our best guess is something like this. And then you show some of the data, right? And then, then I think you've sort of really paid the reader off. You're like, oh. Because by the time you're at the end of it, you've created your own like device that you think is great, and then you're like, the data is just validating your idea. Yeah. Um, I think, and I think that turns this paper all you know completely around in my mind. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it needs the uh, it, it needs the the rhetorical magic of you know Mary Meeker's team, right? Like she, <laughs> and 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 it w- it would be totally surprising if if they didn't pull numbers from this 
for you know in 2018 or whatever right because i mean you just charted out exactly what they would do is they over the course of five seconds there would be 300 slides that showed you a bunch of products here and now of like it would probably be like really young kids hot dogs and old people staring at phones like they always like to throw in the old people at the end it's kind of fun and and then it and then it would build on this data to be like uh what is proof? You know, someone someone has predicted we'll have this many devices. What are things you'll do with these devices? Here's what you're doing with these devices now. And this will be enabled by the fact that the price for devices will be lowered to pennies, which interestingly, it's not actually pennies. I think the lowest price something becomes uh, 10 cents in 2035 for a, um, not, not an RFID thing, but for the first category. The of, smart, yeah, the smart tag yeah, is yeah. 15 cents. And yes, yeah, so, I mean, that's sort of the, I think the money, uh, slide in here for the investors, uh, the Mary Meeker is on page 7 of uh, 14, right? It's the cost roadmap for IoT modules because this is probably something I bet ARM um, has really good access to because they have a lot of predictive data. Like they probably know exactly, you know, in 2017, they know exactly what these things cost to make. And I bet you they have a very uh, um, precise uh, cost curve of like how much this stuff goes down per year right because i bet yeah. i mean they have tons of data so that's now that's a place where you're actually absolutely uh right that you know uh morgan stanley or where does mary Merkel? she works at uh Cla- um, she works at uh, sequoia or something sequoia. She, I, I forget uh, she works at one of the the, the yeah, yeah uh, the VC venerable well, vc firms it, that's going to be a great because again, like her giving an investor presentation because she is going to I mean, after she paints those like fun slides, she's going to have this data to say like yeah, it's going to go down by over you know uh, whatever almost what eighty percent right is going to be the decline of this and then what happens and then again like she would say something what happens in a world where you know anything can have a sensor for fifteen cents right and then you know again like she doesn't have to answer that question well I'll just think of our favorite thing and we'll be like oh yeah there'll be sensors all over my house and it'll just like the lights will turn off and on and my wife won't call me and ask me about the tv anymore because it'll just work all the time you know i'll just create like this whole utopian uh, world and you know and she'll be on to her next slides yeah and, and and then that gets to a point to highlight the uh why the definition is handy is it, it gives you a uh you know an explanation of why consumer iot devices are ultimately kind of unsatisfying nowadays right because they're they're purely read-only devices for the most part they don't actually it's very rare that they actually, in a useful way, tell you something you should do, right? Like it's it's just, you know, cameras are nice, but then really those are just CCTV cameras. I don't know if you would call those IoT devices, but, you know, the sort of like, it feels like the height of consumer IoT stuff is either a toothbrush that tells you how long you should brush, which I don't think is very dynamic. They probably just say you should brush for two minutes and then they put a timer in there. So that's probably not an IoT device. Maybe... Maybe it could uh, sync with your Apple Health and make a record of every time you brush your teeth. So when your dentist is like, you should brush your teeth more, you could be like, how about fuck you? Look at my dashboard, right? And, uh, you know, I still don't know. I still don't know why I can't go. You know, I go to the ARC here, the Austin Regional Clinic, which they should rename themselves because they're now the Austin Clinic. There's no region they don't cover. Uh, But I guess maybe from a global perspective, they cover the region of Austin, but never mind that. The, 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 I, go, I go there and I'm just like, why can I not just like share my health data with you, right? Like I don't understand w- why this is not a thing, but whatever, that's a whole other topic. The point being that like um, consumer IoT devices, so-called, they don't really give you any way to decide how to do something different. 
And and until they do that, they're just going to be like fundamentally dissatisfying. Like it reminded me of a, a review, um, I think, uh, from the sweet from the sweet home, you know, which, of course, the New York Times own owns for those who don't follow the uh, M&A scene. And uh, and they basically were saying, like, do you need a Wi-Fi coffee machine? And you can guess what the conclusion was. They were like, absolutely not. Just just get a coffee machine. The Wi-Fi tells you nothing. And so, you know, you might want the Wi-Fi coffee machine to tell you just like how much caffeine is in here and then put that into your Apple Health thing and then pair that up with your sleeping thing and be like, hey, man, you had five cups of coffee yesterday and you feel like shit nowadays. So, you know, I'm, I'm no scientist, but I think that's some strong correlation there. Uh, but it's just like you don't get any of that stuff from the, uh, the toothbrushes out there. Yeah, no, but I think this is, I mean, it's kind of back to what we're saying about this paper. It's like there are, and I think there's some good examples now of it's starting to happen, but in a sneaky way, like, um, you know, I just got a new car and uh, like it doesn't have, you know, I mean, it has a key, right? But you don't really use the key, right? It's like, it just like, if I get close to it, I just, it unlocks itself, right? When I get in the car, I just press a button mm. and um, love that you know, button like, ignition. Uh, yeah, the <laughs> exact real button ignition. And then, um, you know, like, for example, like now uh, when I get out of the car, because it has, you know, it has the cool car play and, you know, all the toys that I like it, uh, my, my phone just says like, oh, it just sends an, a message like, oh, we, we, uh, we put, uh, we, uh, we mapped where your car's parked. Mm. It's called the park car thing. And it's just like, and all this is just happening behind the scenes, right? Like I'm not really doing Wait, what, what kind of and, car is that? Um, this is a, a Honda Civic, so it's nothing, you know, very, uh, very fancy, but it's just a, fun- that's really a function that the part car thing is just a function of, uh, you know, in this case, Apple, iOS, I'm sure probably Android has something similar, right? Where it's just like, it knows that like, okay, you were in a car, <laughs> you just yeah. got out of a car and like, you know what we'll do? We'll just put a little dot on the map for you here. Um, that way you know where it is. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, most of the time I know exactly where my car is, but we have all had that, you know, moment where it's like, oh, you know, I totally forgot. Uh, and um, and so that's just these, and I think you know the same thing with, uh, you know, Apple Pay. Again, I think Android Pay is the same. It's like when it works, right? Like I've paid multiple times just with my watch. Chick Fil A is a great place to do it. By the way, they have a great system. Um, <laughs> and uh, and every time I do it, like the cashiers are usually like, like, whoa, I've never seen it before, right? And it's just like, oh, it all sits right here, and it's like, and it's much faster than uh, yeah. you know, chip and uh, pin and all that whole thing. So, so this is where I think, like. It, sometimes it pays to be, you know, like the kind of the old Gardner hype cycle, right? It's like, hey, you know, there's always going to be the trough of disillusionment, all the stuff that doesn't work, right? Like the fact that you have it. But then, you know, you start to get used to this stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, I just like I get it. And I was, the other one I was going to say is I do have my Apple Health connected to my my um, essentially my insurance app, right? And I get some benefits. Mm. Like if I just do simple things, like I walk a certain amount of steps or if I log a certain amount of workouts, it just gives me some gift cards. Nothing like, you know, I'm not making lots of money or anything, but it's just like, okay, you know, here's 10, 20, 30 bucks, depending on what you did. Um, you know, just throw it on Amazon. And it's like, it's just real passive is what I like. And I think yeah. that's a, a vision you could paint in here. It's like, it isn't, and maybe Minority Report is, you know, a few years ago and that movie was out, but like they did a pretty good job where it's not so evasive, right? It's not like I'm doing all these things. It's just all these little things in my life got like a little bit easier. And, and I think that's maybe the picture to paint for IoT rather than like big bang, everything is just new and different, you know, like I getting all this 
data because <laughs> you know, that's like anytime I someone's like I'm getting a lot of data I'm not usually very excited I'm like oh man this is going to be a lot of PowerPoint charts right this is going to be a lot of slides <laughs> yeah. I need to create off this versus like when all these little micro things in my life like micro tasks walk away and you look back on it you're like this is actually pretty nice yeah so, yeah yeah I, I I mean to 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 be slight apologist for the paper right like and and then to get back to talking about its deficiencies uh like you know I I think I think the task it sets out to do it does pretty well which is basically uh, you know, like I would call this a, a good example of known unknowns analysis. If you remember, you know, our, my, my favorite corporate poetry from the early 2000s, the Rumsfeldian, you know, quadrant of thing, of knowledge. And, yep. and it, is, it is sort of like, uh, we know that we don't know what IoT is going to be like in 2035. So let's try to figure out something, right? Like, let's come up with a way of modeling it and therefore some conclusions about pricing. And then therefore... Uh, some some uh, conclusions about how it's going to rise up economic benefit, productivity, returns, or whatever, right? And I think it does that well. Like, you can't really, I don't know. I didn't email the author Philip Sparks and ask him <laughs> to send me his spreadsheets and analyze them. You know, he might he might have sell. No, we should. That re- Honestly, we need to start emailing the people yeah. that write these papers because no one – I think they would be super excited that someone yeah. spent all this time doing yeah, it. So, yeah, yeah. And that's you, a quick aside. You we'll know, you, do that. you don't want to – got to look in there and make sure that cell GG145 <laughs> contains the number 45 and has this comment that says, I just made this up, man. So like you got to you got to like analyze the uh the 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 charts. And it does have I I always find it annoying when there's a chart that's like a smooth curve that goes up. It's like yeah. really really, yeah, really? Yeah. that's I don't know. It's clearly been a little Excel expra- extrapolation going on yeah. there, like a nice, you know, curve-fitting line. Yes. I I always feel like Excel also should just have a button that produces a chart like that, right? Like that would probably well, save people a lot I mean, of time. This- it is probably the most cynical thing, right? It's like this just looks – I mean this is the hockey stick graph that we see like a million times over. And it's just like – although I saw it for real somewhere. I tweeted it out. Like it was actual a hockey stick based on real data. I was like, oh my god, it happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but, but so, so, so anyways, it's a good example of that kind of analysis. But I think I think, I think the major sort of like what's what would make this better conclusion that, that, that you've come to and I'm convinced of is like – well, it would be good. Maybe it's an accompanying paper, but what you would want to join with this is a so let's let's zoom to now and talk you know, the short term of now and talk about the actual practical things you could do here, right? Like what are some actual industrial applications and consumer applications? And the reason we're doing this is because it's always nice to talk about the here and now cuz you know, uh, it's 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 good to analyze your profit uh, possibilities today because you might die tomorrow right? Uh, to appropriate some Conan thinking. Um, but, but it's also good in the sense of what you want to start charting out is like, is there going to be a need for a trillion IOT devices, right? Yeah. Like, are we going to be able to come up with what we would do with that? Or is it just sort of like, um, you know, to some extent, and, and this is not, it's just kind of illustrating my point is like, so if we were back in uh, 1967, and Intel was talking about how we're going to have PCs on every desktop. You, the ceiling would sort of in the '80s would sort of be like, well, how many copies of VisiCalc can we really install, and how many like Stop with Camel games and Leisure Shoot Larry's instances are we going to sell? Like, there's not an infinite application of what we can do with these PCs to fight, despite their complete agility to do anything. And so you would need to sort of qualitatively feed into this notion of like, do humans have the imagination to 
take advantage of a trillion devices. And and that part isn't it's alluded to here and there parenthetically in an, in an aside, but it doesn't really kind of uh, to use the appropriate word here. It doesn't have vision of yeah. that, that would drive what you would do with this. No, and I think that's good. I think if we went back to you know Intel famously, right? They they did see the need for the microprocessor, and they essentially got out of the memory business if, if the history is right. And I think they just had a gut feel that like, yeah, you know, computers and and the CPUs and the chips are going to be really important. The thing that I think they ne- no one foresaw, right, was basically you know the internet, network, and cloud computing, which sort of both uh you know creates a whole new need for devices but also chips in a different way and it's like if you go back in time like nobody knew that right just no one was like well in about the 90s this internet thing will create get created and there'll just be this explosion of uh you know need and and chips and cloud computing and network and i think that's kind of what this paper like we that's the unknown unknown like what is the internet like invention for this stuff that could happen and it's impossible i think it's pretty much impossible for us to know that answer right now yeah you know uh, so so we, we should go on to analyze some of the the sort of like i don't know other stuff instead of just railing against what's missing which is fine maybe we go over some actual content just briefly though i feel like we've covered it but well, i gotta hit on i gotta start with like we gotta do a little just a little form yeah you know? well, so, so before, page page before, three i just i want to like gum i just like this is not good These but, poor but folks. before before we get to that uh-huh. like just just so people aren't upset at us uh uh-huh. The the jobs to be done theory is actually not Clayton Christensen. So he he's he's a good example of what I nowadays think of as the Martin Fowler byline effect, which is if you co-author something with Clayton Christensen, you will never be remembered. No one will know your name, right? <laughs> they all say like it was Clayton Christensen. So you got to be careful if, okay. if you use him to accelerate. Fact check real and time. All, all I remember is it's someone who's who's commonly called the milkshake man. Who uh, you know, kind of is the the leader of job to be done theory. But I'll I'll put a link there, and you can you can Google it. All right. That. Well, my apologies. I didn't mean to uh, to take the credit away from him. So good job, milkshake man. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I mean, I think uh, you know. So another another at the at the meta angle. So I was reading the blog post for this, and um, they start off with some quote from the CEO of SoftBank. Now I don't quite understand what SoftBank is, uh, but I understand they have a shit ton of money. And, and they like yep. to spread it around. So I think it's it's one of these sort of like holding kind of like Asian-y kind of holding companies that both, uh, you know, runs some Internet stuff. And I, maybe yeah. there's so a massive, bank involved. As I say, massive uh, investors from Japan. Yeah. Basically, yeah. There. And so they it, have tons and tons of money. And they're probably invested in more startups than you think. Yeah. So, and, right? and, and so anyways, uh, it starts with a quote from from. Uh, Masayoshi San, who, who they say is the, I don't know if San is his last name or the, you know, addressing him, but it, he's the chairman and CEO of SoftBank. But then also conveniently chairman of Arm Holdings. So <laughs> you, you got, you got, uh, you, you got some cross pollination going on there. And, and I think this gets to the point of the sort of like market making, right? Like if SoftBank, what, what was their thing? They're going to invest like $500 billion or was it a trillion or something like that? In, uh, in, I know they have a hundred. I mean, they have like this hundred billion dollar fund. Maybe it's a hundred billion, and, yeah. and nobody really understands it. Like, it's a very unusual to the U.S. to yeah. the U.S. world. We're like, what does that mean? But go yeah. on. Yeah. So, so you know, obviously they're also uh, you know interested in 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 the spread of of this kind of stuff. But it just goes back to the point of like it's always fun to to trace back uh, who's uh, who who the the bag men or or bag women, as the case may be, uh, may may be in this kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I'm kind of returning to the point is like, basically, unless you're a bag person, this this paper may not be the full thing uh, that that you want it to be. And also, don't publish in double columns. 
Don't do that. <laughs> I, I want to get in my I, the other thing. I just want like, hey, we don't page three. We don't need a full page of like probably fifteen. Mm. 16 point font pull quotes yeah. this is a bad use of space these quotes are way too long they're not that interesting yeah like yeah. if anything i like pull quotes on individual pages because it helps you like you're, if you're skimming yeah you're like it kind of gives you like okay let me see oh did they say something interesting there i can keep going or not um so that's like my biggest and this i don't know if there was like some kind of like this does have the old uh, college papers. I'm not saying I did this, but like you just have to have a certain amount of pages. Someone's like, okay, let's double space this thing and let's make some big green boxes. Like, because it's visually, it's not very interesting. It, the content's not very interesting. I mean, it does have Alan Greenspan. I guess that's an interesting name, but it also feels, you know, kind of just totally unnecessary. And I do think, you know, they bury, they are burying the lead around these uh, various charts, and. Um, I guess uh, graphs that they have that um, you know actually have a ton of good data. Like that's the kind of stuff that maybe should be a little bit bigger and deserves its own page, right? It's like, hey, make that stuff bigger so it's easy for us yeah. to read and easy for us to uh, cite when we're building up our own papers. Now, now I you know I just did some thorough analysis, some research while while you're talking. I'm pretty sure I looked up Philip Sparks, the author Arm. Now, unless there's another Philip Sparks named him, he is a senior investor relations manager at Arm Holdings. Right. Okay. Which that's yeah. that's good. That's good calibration for what's going on here too. Right. We go back to the bag person. Right. It's all about right. like clearly he he is clearly sending this around to yeah. uh, young junior associates, uh, investment banking analysts on Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah. Which which is which is which is great. It's it's, okay. uh, it's a good a good example of that. Uh, but you know it get and it gets to the point how you need the uh, we're repeating ourselves or at least I'm making us repeat ourselves. But uh, you know so there you go. It's a, it's a good paper if you want to sort of chart out the the financial uh, blue sky solutioneering around stuff. And, you know, I have to say, uh, think, think, thinking about myself, which I often do, uh, I, it, it, it does make me kind of think like, oh, ARM, they're pretty valuable. <laughs> right like like it, it is kind of convincing that like and and and, they, they, you know, I should mention there's also um I, th I think maybe I'd have to think about this, but I think there's maybe three value props that get thrown out, um, which which is to say three reasons why Arm is uniquely positioned to maximize their their market share and profit take from all of this opportunity, and why why you should buy them. And that is, the first one is it's it's kind of it's kind of funny if you're paying attention to this kind of stuff. It's like towards the end, all of a sudden, the word security is used, and you're like, oh, what, huh? <laughs> and and it, it's just like because there's some security stuff in the arm portfolio and then also um it, not as strongly but there's an allusion to which which i think is wise in characterizing iot stuff it's like well unless these are those passive little rfid things or whatever you're gonna need to power these devices right uh so the the consequence of that which is with my limited arm knowledge is like you know they're low power chips so you're like oh nice like these chips versus like bigger, beefier chips consume a small amount of uh, of power. And then third is just like the usual of like, we know what the fuck we're doing, which which results in the kind of list off the, the I don't know if people still call it, talk about systems on a system, but it's sort of like, here are the types of chips you would need, which conveniently we have uh, to, to, <laughs> to, I assume, to do that. And so there, there are, it's, it's fun to kind of like pull apart, like, here's how you insert in some value props uh, sort of at the end. And, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm interested when you do this, like I struggle with, we talked about this a little bit last episode where I used to begin my presentations with the conclusions, right? Like I, because, 
and hopefully this isn't high, too highfalutin of myself, but like because I know the rhetorical tricks of this kind of thing, like I really struggle with like jamming in your value props at the end. Like I, I, I don't like that. And so it's, but I know that you kind of need to do that. And so it's hard for me to like do that at the end effectively, right? Like I'm almost allergic to, to not obvious, but um, uh, usable value propping. <laughs> <laughs> right. right which is a lot of well, why i'm always he, like i'm here to sell you something right like yeah. I, i'm not i'm not subtle about it which i don't know if that's helpful or not no but i think this kind of comes back to you know your own personal preference and like you know how much content you consume like because a little bit of this is kind of back to like your high school english class where they're kind of forcing you they want you to learn how to like put a conclusion right so and that's good to, and there is a point in life that when you're writing for the first time that's really helpful but you know, as you get as you read more stuff, you're like you're interested in stuff that isn't you know so formulaic, right? That isn't you know, and it's like because it's very because it becomes very boring. So, so if you're forced, then sometimes, but the form, right? Sometimes dictates that. Like, listen, we need to wrap this paper up, and some people are just going to skim the entire thing and they're just going to read the last paragraph. So, and this is just back to like you know back to our presentation discussion. Like, regardless of what presentation you're getting. If you want people to remember it, you either need to say it at the very, very beginning or the very, very end, right? Those those are your best chances, and I think that's what's happening in papers too. It's like, listen, we either got to say it up front or we got to say it in the back, and probably both. And that maybe not be the greatest, most interesting writing, but that's gonna that's good. But we're not writing a novel here, right? We're not writing a Cormac McCarthy novel, right? We're writing something for a different purpose. Even we may want to write Cormac McCarthy novels, right? So I think we're always like fighting with that. Like you want to do something more interesting, but sometimes the form and the function of the thing dictates just do the boring thing. And I think that's what's happening here. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Well, you got any other any other comments you want to have about this paper? No, I think you know. I mean, I think we've we've uh, critiqued it a lot, but I think to your your last point, and just to say what you said in a slightly different way is like, hey, if you know, if you're an investor relations professional, and you know, all you really wanted to do is ring the bell in the investment analyst firm, like, hey, IOT arm. That's all you're trying to do is just remember that you want those guys to think. If they think IoT, they think ARM, and then when they're creating their own investment recommendations for clients, right, you're going to have a much better chance of getting, uh, you know, selling people on buying ARM stock. And so and if we were to view the paper from that lens, it actually does a very good job yeah. of that. I think we just – I would just say, like, it could have done more. But, like, he probably yeah, – Phil yeah, yeah. is probably really happy, and I bet you the guys at Morgan Stanley and all the investment analysts are like, this is really good. And I would say, you know, if I was an investment analyst – I think you could take this paper, and then if you did your, some of your own research, like, okay, let's call around and see if anyone has actually found some real problems that are interesting, that are being solved, right? So that's a place you could go ask some questions. And I have been. I've been in a couple conferences where the, I, the uh, investment analyst will actually be on the trade show floor, and they're clearly just walking around trying to understand if you like, is anyone doing anything with this specific technology? Whoa. I, I, Channel check. I, yeah, I mean, it is. It's the old channel check, and it's like, okay, like, yeah, I could see someone reading this paper and then being sent off to uh, Vegas for the, you know, consumer electronics shows and be like, okay, go find somebody doing IoT, and if we think someone's doing something really interesting, that gives us a good investment thesis. So yeah. hopefully, the guys on Wall Street are doing that, and not just you know reading the internet like us. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, from my my closing statements, you know gentle people of the jury i think i think you know to 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 add to what you said i think uh 
aside from the notion that like well if you added a bunch of the 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 pragmatic here and now qualitative stuff it would be better for the general audience but again like i think i think the what the paper wants to do is not that <laughs> like it wants it wants to target what you're saying right like just the uh both both sides of the financial analyst house right the the hustlers on the sell side and the uh the money makers on the on the buy side um I might, actually, it might be sell side who makes some more money, but but you get my drift. The uh, <laughs> the, the sort of customer oriented people on on the buy side, um, uh, it probably accomplishes helping them out and things like that. And and I think I think the only way for that angle, perhaps, to make the paper better would be to to your point. Uh, and this is more of a personal style of the type of content I like. I guess is like. I don't think we need to reference the Rothschilds in the Napoleonic Wars, right? Like that that's kind of like a nice nice story. Uh and it's fun, but like that was in 1810. Hey, that history it? degree isn't paid for itself, man. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and and I appreciate that maybe if this guy was brought up and I in whatever wacky names they have, like I think in the UK public school actually means private school, so speak of offsite onsite or onsite offsite and you know private public clouds, but like whatever. I get it. The canon, it's awesome, right? And Europe, but like in a paper like this, it's just kind of weird, right? Like it's the as as another reference, like um, you know, it's one thing if you're talking about lean and agile to reference maybe how like special forces and and whatnot teams work in the military, but as Lean Enterprise does, if you go all the way back to Otto von Bismarck and some shit in the Prussian army, I mean, I just like that's that's exhausting. Right. Like, I don't I don't want to. That's not this venue. I want to learn about the Prussian army. So here, you know, it's very brief, but like, I don't think I don't think using something from 1810. I don't know. Maybe I don't know the mind of a financial analyst, but I've watched Wolf of Wall Street and I don't think they give a fuck. Right. Like they're 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 waiting for the uh, for the, the midgets and the hookers. Yeah, to come yeah. in. That's hard. Though, man. Hey, listen. Uh, you know, he, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. He was clearly taking a risk. He's like, I'm going. For I, know, the hook. I know. Well, I know. I know. So hook him in. But like he missed. On the so hook. so you miss? so points on creativity plus one. Right. <laughs> plus one. Yeah. And, and then I think I think to a lesser degree, um, there is an arc that's established by pulling in Greenspan. Um but I kind of think it's the same thing, right? Like we don't need to pull in that arc so much, right? Like the the extensive quoting of Greenspan and everything. Like I don't think we need to establish that credibility. I mean, part of part of this arc that's trying to be established is the um, what was everyone saying? I think even I said this uh, after Trump was elef- elected. Is the arc of history is long or something like that? Like you know, you want to establish some rainbow arc uh, of of positivity and kind of attached to this. Um, uh, Moore's law used to be used for this, right? This this almost force of nature thing that you're just going to latch onto. But I don't know. You don't really need the Greenspan thing in there. Like that's just kind of weird. But uh, yeah. So overall, I think I think if you're uh, it's it's worth sort of like skimming through because I think either either you're one of these people waiting for the midgets and hookers, and you can use it to sort of like feed into your stuff uh, to some extent. Is that is that bad that I'm saying midgets and hookers? I should probably check myself there. But anyhow, uh, it's from a movie, so it must be fine, right? Uh, anyways, but it's also good to look at, as always, from a metal layer and kind of pull apart how how you um, 
how you would use this structure to make an argument for something and also reverse engineer where people come up with these figures that like uh, we're expecting a 5x return on all IoT businesses, right? And and then also if you're writing this kind of content, it's good it's it's a good pattern. Like you would do worse patterning some of part of how you write up your stuff than than following how this paper kind of presents itself minus the Rothschild uh, history lesson. Uh and uh you'd have a pretty good format for yourself. Like it. So there you go. All right. Well, as always, uh, despite any off-color phrases I've said three times, this has been the Software Defined Talk Members Only White Paper Exegesis Podcast uh, that is available for members of the Software Defined Talk uh, sort of Patreon thing. If if you're listening to this, maybe you're already a patron, or or you've you've been Seth Godin marketed by by our people and, and given a pirated version. Uh, but if you go to patreon.com slash SCT, you can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. Now, of course, if you're the type of person who listens to this, you have a lot more than a dollar to give just sloshing around, right? Just just don't order a tub of guacamole one Friday, and you'll have plenty of money to help us out for a year. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can sign up there. You, you get access to the, this is the third episode. More or less every week, we'll go over an, an exegesis like this, an analysis of a white paper. And as always, you should just subscribe and listen to the, the totally free and fantastic software-defined talk, uh, more or less on a week uh, podcast that we do. And you can also join us in the Slack if you go to software-defined talk slash Slack. I should test that URL out. Uh, but you can also just go to softwaredefinedtalk.com and uh, find out how to join the Slack and suggest this paper. And uh, we'll be back next week with another paper to look at. Bye-bye.